this week on the question box help me become famous Sex drugs, death, the end of the world Should my kids believe in Santa? Is there fundamental meaning? Are aliens safe? What the hell was man Question box, question box Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the question box. This week's question. Ooh, it's a doozy. What should we do about all the Christian leaders becoming celebrities. And I will say this was a surprising one. Uh, I was shocked that this won in the kind of vote between the options because I didn't know that that many people were thinking about Christian celebrities. <laughs> sort of a subculture thing, isn't it? Um, but you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a religious man and a man of the cloth and a wannabe Christian celebrity. And so... <laughs> No, it, 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 I was surprised because I've kept up with these stories online about different pastors, different ministries, different churches, vloggers, bloggers, podcasters, this whole movement of kind of religious influencers who have now got their own brand, he says on his branded YouTube channel. <laughs> and they've got their quotes with their words on them and their names. But And, you know, there's there's this fine line between people doing public work, which isn't exactly celebrity, people doing public work, and then these pastors who have all that public work stuff, but also increasingly have a lot of power and influence, who have green rooms and have millions of people following their stuff and have promoted posts on social media. Like there's this whole evolving world of Christian celebrity. Uh, I think there's been some projects that have actually recently brought this to attention. One is the Instagram page, Preachers in Sneakers, which I had a couple of people write me about already. The other one is a new podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and uh, looks at how this church went from being a local missional engaged congregation into a brand and, and a whole sort of empire which surrounded one charismatic figure. And so that podcast is great. There's an episode called The Brand, which actually gets into this theme a lot. So I do feel like we're having this cultural awakening now to the reality of how celebrity has seeped into the church. However, celebrity has also kind of always been in the church to some degree or another. In 1 Corinthians, one of the earliest letters to one of the earliest Christian communities trying to follow the way of Christ. Uh, Paul writes about how they were fighting, and he says, you know, why are you all fighting about who's teaching you like most, who you feel most loyal to? He was saying that some in the church were saying, you know, I like Paul, and others were saying, I like Apollo, and others were saying, I like Peter. And, and he was saying that all this division, all this tribalism and loyalty to an individual person is not what the message of Christ is about. The message of Christ is about a love for one another, but that our loyalty is above all only to God as revealed in the person and life of Christ. So in some ways, this has always been around us, but in other ways, it has become amplified over time. In the early church, you had specific community leaders who had relationships with individuals, who felt loyalty to that individual who perhaps was a part of their spiritual transformation. But as the church grows, there is more and more potential for individuals to get larger and larger groups that are loyal to them. And then as we have the amplification of technology, we have travel and trade, these voices can continue to amass larger and larger gatherings. When we get to the printing press, you can have a sermon or a teaching printed off and handed out by the 
thousands in the streets of the city in order to spread a new word, a new message, which could be great and necessary and good, but also spreads with it the face of the messenger. And so you can see how that slowly begins to shift. It's no longer just about getting out an idea, but now it's getting out a face, a voice, a name. As printing continues, you see more and more religious and spiritual voices rising up and becoming their own, what we would today call brands. And then there's the internet. The internet, where all of these ideas become accessible, where any Yahoo with a microphone and a camera can jump up and add their two cents to the conversation. And there's something brilliant about that because it allows voices on the margins to speak those who might have been traditionally pushed back by the gatekeepers. So there's so much about the internet and this amplification of voices that is awesome. However, it also allows individuals to sort of balloon in their influence. And those who have end up receiving more. So those that have thousands of followers quickly become those with tens of thousands, who become those with hundreds of thousands, who become those with millions of followers. And about the time you've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of followers, there are now all sorts of other groups, powers, systems, that are also going to begin to look at you and ask not just, what is this person saying? But how can we come alongside what this individual is saying? And how can we profit off what they are doing. And what I've noticed and what I've heard time and time again, because I know people that know famous Christians, uh, <laughs> is that typically the person who is going to later become a, what we would call now a Christian celebrity, that person often starts with pretty good motives. Like you take some of these pastors that are online <laughs> They're gorgeous. You know, these are attractive people with great cheekbones. They're winsome. They're compelling. They can speak naturally. They can draw energy from a crowd. They're people that if they were just looking for fame, if they were just looking for influence, they'd probably have other options. You know, I don't know who's going to church, religion, spirituality. I don't know who's going here to get the power. Most cases I've heard are people that have a natural gift and that have a heart. They love God, they love people, and they wanna find some way to help people encounter God, help people think differently about God, and so they have these motives that start in a decently healthy place. But what quickly happens is they are grabbed by these systems that begin to reward them when they do things that benefit the system that has grabbed a hold of them. So you think about these, these mega churches or these mega church networks that are massive with, with tens of millions of dollars, these gigantic churches with tens of thousands of people, they have an interest in finding young leaders who they can then propel upwards so that young people see the young leader, young people come to the young leader, young people pledge loyalty to the young leader, but they also pledge loyalty to the denomination, to the church to the megachurch, to the structure, to the system, to the way of thinking. They pledge allegiance to the theological framework or the cultural framework. And so these individuals who often start with good motives quickly get sucked up by these larger systems and structures. And before they realize it, they are now living out a script that maybe they never consciously 
chose. And this is ultimately why I, I do have a bit of sympathy for these celebrity voices, whether they are currently celebrities or previously were, because how many of these celebrity voices have we seen who get everything that they ever could have wanted? They get influence, they get to lead big organizations, they get to speak on gigantic stages, they get people looking at them, uh, just in awe of them, they get everything they want, and they're still not happy. They're not joyful. They don't feel safe, but they're anxious and they're worried and they feel like they're on a treadmill. They have to work harder and harder and harder to make this work. And the system functions like an idol. If you go back to the, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about idols and icons, it starts to function like an idol where at first the system was giving them more than it took from them. It gave them a platform. It gave them a stage. It gave them influence, gave them opportunity, gave them money. But eventually idols always start taking more than they give. The system starts demanding more and more from them. The system starts to control exactly what they say, what they have to believe, how they have to present themselves. And before long, you start to see the dysfunction. And these celebrity leaders end up having affairs. They end up having secret lives that nobody else knew about. They end up with addictions issues or anger issues because they never were given a healthy space where they could work out their ego, their sin, their violence, their stress, their shame, their hurt, their fears. So the system propels these individuals upwards until they crash. And then the system spits them out, continuing to benefit from all that they did. And that pastor or that leader, that Christian celebrity, who probably got into this because they wanted to love people and share good news with people, are now left more damaged more broken and more bent in their family, in their soul, in their relationship with God than they were when they began. So maybe you feel I'm being too charitable towards these Christian celebrity speakers. Maybe you think that they're more corrupt and evil and malicious than I might think most of them are. Some of them are totally malicious, but I, I don't think that most of them are. And I find that thinking this way about them actually helps me to confront the self-righteousness that wells up in me very quickly when I see these sorts of Christian celebrity voices online. Because the truth is, I easily could have become one of them if I was born in the right place or at the right time, or the wrong place or the wrong time, I guess, as it was. Because I became a pastor young. I was 21 when I was first associate pastor at a church in Toronto. And at 21... I had a good heart. Like I wanted to love people. I wanted to share the good news about God as I understood God. I wanted to teach the Bible to people. I wanted to help people form community in the church. But if you had said, Kev, you've got the gifts we're looking for. Like you're young. You've got, uh, you know, some education. You can speak in front of people. You've got some charisma. You've got a great body. You know, all these things. That people, if you had said to me at that time, we want to put you on this stage in front of 10,000 people every Sunday. And we want you to be like the new Billy Graham. We want you to be the new voice of a generation. We want you to speak the truth in a culture that's used to lies. Would I have been able to say no to that? I don't know. I don't know. If I'm being perfectly honest, I suspect I would have said, I'll do it. And it's not because I wanted fame and I wanted to feed my ego. It's because I didn't yet know 
how much of a sinner I am. I didn't yet know. I wouldn't have known at the time how easily I could have been duped into being used by these systems as the new voice for blank. Fill it in yourself. And I probably would have let somebody put me on a big stage and I probably would have let people say, you're so great. And I probably would have believed them when they lied to me. And without any individual being truly evil, the system would have made me sick. Maybe you can relate to this. I hope you can relate to this because we're all in sick systems. I remember Dave Chappelle talking about uh, in, in Inside the Actor's Studio after he left Chappelle Show, which was the show that was a massive success. And he was offered $50 million to do season three of Chappelle Show. And he turned it down. And people were f- completely confused. Why would he turn this down? Why would he walk away from all this fame, all this success, all this celebrity? And Chappelle was talking about how people said he was crazy. And he said, but I'm not crazy. And the people that walk away from Hollywood aren't crazy. If people are being ill in these kind of mass levels of all these, let's move back to church world, if all these church leaders are burning out, have secret lives, are lying, are manipulating, are sick. Well, Chappelle says, if this is what's happening with celebrities, maybe these people are not the problem, but maybe the culture is a little sick. So would you, before we judge other celebrities, would you be able to say no to the allure of a green room? Would you be able to resist more influence. And maybe for you, it's not in religious worlds at all, but at your workplace, if you were offered a promotion and then another promotion, would you take it? If you were bumped up into first class on a plane, would you take it? If when you went places, people were stunned to see you and wanted pictures with you, would you take it? Would you sign the book? Would you sign the picture? Would you sign, again, insert the blank, whatever your thing is? If your Instagram page blew up a hundred times, would you delete it? Or would you start asking who wants to sponsor your posts? I know that I could be vulnerable to that. And thankfully, there's like... (laughs) There's not been the opportunity yet. But true spiritual maturity is not saying that we are right and others are wrong. Or that others have fallen, become bent, but we are on the straight path ahead. But true spiritual maturity is recognizing that there's brokenness in us. That there's a bentness within us. And that until that interior bentness is dealt with, we too would be chewed up and spit out just like all the people we see online. So back to the original question, you know, how should we engage with this culture of celebrity? I don't like to do shoulds. My spiritual director once said, we don't do shoulds, Kevin, we do coulds. So how could we engage with this culture? I think it's going to have to begin by purging ourselves and pruning ourselves from our attachment to that culture. You know, we could read books or listen to podcasts, try to help us figure this out, but that's just continuing to feed this beast of growth and upward mobility and influence. And and maybe the best place we could start is actually in our own backyards. Maybe it could start in smaller relationships, in mentoring relationships, small group connections, and ultimately, I'm going to go for it in church. I mean, I'm a fan of church despite all her issues. But even the church has fallen prey to this culture of celebrity. When people go to a church to check it out and see if they'd want to attend there, they often afterwards talk about whether they liked the what? The sermon 
or the music. Did you like the music? The music was good, but the sermon needed some work. You know, we talk about the product and that is the same power at work. But instead, I think we need to shape communities where those gifts are put in their proper place. Where teaching and music, these traditional gifts in church world that propel things upwards, are put in their proper place underneath, beneath faithfulness to the Spirit. Praying together, patience with one another, a diversity at the table, a sense of care for the local, a sense of connection between actual flesh and blood people. That we're going to have to form communities that function according to a different way of being that don't look up to the singular leader to save them, but actually look across the table to one another, which will actually allow us to redeem these gifts that have been bastardized by becoming commodities. It's going to allow us to put teaching in its proper place as a tool to build a community, to put music in its proper place as a tool to allow a community to sing, that these communities are going to become the answer to this question of Christian celebrity because they're going to become places where no one is famous, but everyone is loved and everyone belongs. I'm a big believer that at the end of the day, the best idea wins. I think the best idea always wins. When you have a bad idea and then someone offers you a better idea, you just start doing the better idea. Like I never used to take a Sabbath and I would just work all the time, every day. And then one day someone said, hey, you should take one day off every week and make it a holy day where you just play and pray and eat and relax. And I did. And it was better than working every day. So the best idea won. One of the reasons that we have so many people trying to become quote unquote celebrities in these religious spaces is because we just don't have a better idea to replace it. You know, in our culture and the books, the podcasts, the YouTube channels, the churches, we look to the big, we go to the big conferences, we put these same faces up on a stage and we celebrate what is so grand, what is winning, what is big, what is celebrity. So we need to find a better idea, one that makes that look silly. And in my estimation, everyone that wants to be influential or everyone who wants to follow someone influential is actually looking for something much deeper. They're looking for love. They're looking for belonging. As someone who's been a local pastor now of a church for 11 years, I love doing stuff like this. I love doing some tours I've done. I wrote a book. I love doing all of that. But none of that is actually as meaningful as going to church on a Sunday, which we're so close to being able to do again, And seeing kids crawl under the pews and hugging someone I love or hearing that somebody got a new job or doing a wedding ceremony for a couple and dancing all night with them and other people from this church community. There's nothing like asking someone else to pray for me, even though I'm the pastor, you know, being loved and belonging in a real flesh and blood community, whether it's a community of 15 in a living room or a thousand on a Sunday, like whatever it is, if you can shape real community, love, belonging, forgiveness, grace, and Christ-likeness there, that's just better than trying to climb the ladder, getting chewed up at some point, and then getting spit out. It's just better. So if we can shape these kind of communities, if we can put our energy 
our time, our money, our, our attention into forming these kinds of communities, I suspect we will have less people who feel the need to look for that affirmation in a large crowd. We'll have less people who even want to be Christian celebrities. And we'll also have less people looking for Christian celebrities because the void that can be filled by a little face on your phone telling you about the gospel. And the, the void that that fills, is, that's nothing compared to what is filled when someone who knows you and actually loves you and actually cares about you looks you in your real flesh and blood face and tells you the truth tells you that you are beloved. And once that becomes normalized in our church communities, all this other stuff will just fly away in the wind. It doesn't have any power when there's a better idea present. Now, how we actually shape that sort of community while avoiding all the toxicity from our culture that wants to seep into our small flesh and blood communities, well, those are some very good questions, but they are questions for another question box. All right, well, that's it for this week. Everybody, thank you for being here, if not in space and time, at least in time. It's uh, great to be able to do this. I'm really enjoying the project. Just a reminder, please send in your best questions. You can post them if you're watching this on YouTube in the comment box below, or on Mondays, I will post a question box on my Instagram stories where you can submit questions. On Tuesday, I'll post my favorite two. They go head to head, and one of them will become the winner for that Thursday's video. And finally, a reminder that if you like this video, as always, go find somebody to tell you that you're beloved in real life. Because unless we're actually friends, this isn't even as good as it gets, you know? So go find somebody that, that loves God and just ask them, hey, am I the beloved of Christ? And they'll say, oh, beloved, and, and they'll bless you with their word. So go receive a blessing. <laughs> from a real human being, and I'll uh, see you next week.